0: positive feedback always overrides negative feedback so how can we positively reinforce the things that that we want them and that we coach them to do that they do well and then at the same time how can we clean up the things that we don't want them to do or that they don't do well and continue to develop them so it's just all-encompassing and it's why i love it so much you know i get to coach the whole roster, every position group. I got to be able to coach every single technique that's used in football. It's been fun, I love it. I mean, I've truly developed a passion for it. But how are you tangibly creating moments and shared experiences to where you're building those connections and relationships early on and often throughout their career?
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. We're into that exciting time of the year when winter sports like wrestling, basketball, swim are in playoff mode. Lots of state title hardware available for the taking, so for any coaches listening in while preparing for a playoff run, go win it, man. Meanwhile, us baseball people, unless you're in Iowa with your weird summer baseball season and the other spring sport coaches, we're gearing up for hopefully good weather and tons of action as tryouts, games, and all the excitement that comes with it get set to start off. About a year ago today, actually, we took my son to Disneyland. He loved it, by the way. Uh, And he loved, more than anything else, riding the Golden Zephyr Ride in California Adventure. And right before the ride starts, there's this audio track, and you hear this woman's voice say this one lighter. And for weeks, maybe even months afterwards after we got home, my little dude would say it all the time, and it feels super appropriate here. So for all of you coaches who are preparing for playoffs and for those who are just getting ready to start a new season. Buckle up, boys and girls. Huge thank you to Will Miner and the gang over at Netting Pros. They've powered the High School Coaches Club for years, literally. If you need any facility improvements, make them your first call. They might even be your only call. Not only will they help you design it, but they'll do it all custom for you, from the fabrication to the installation. They've got you covered for literally everything you need that involves netting, digital graphic wall padding, turf, turf protectors, cubbies, windscreens, ball carts, whatever you need. They crush the baseball and softball world on a daily basis, but they also get after it in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field, golf courses, and just about any sport facility you can imagine. They're truly making facilities better all across America, providing high-quality products and services for facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout this country, not only at the high school level, but for recreational, collegiate, and professional sports as well. You can contact them today by calling 844 844- 844 emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Netting Pros, they're improving programs one facility at a time. In this episode, I'm joined by Riley Niblett. You'll remember his uncle Josh, who was featured way back in episode 19 during his long and storied run as the head coach at Hoover High School. Now Josh just wrapped up his first year as the head football coach at Gainesville High School in Georgia, where today's guest served as an assistant coach specializing in special teams and recruiting. Riley is a young, ready, hungry coach who, and this will come through the airwaves pretty quickly, cares about kids. It's definitely about winning, but it's about winning the right way. And I'm absolutely certain that Coach Niblett is well on his way to a long, phenomenal run coaching high school football. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode
0: 80 with Riley Niblett.
1: All right, joined by Riley Niblett. Thanks for coming on with me.
0: Thanks, Max, for having me. Uh, Excited to be here. Excited to talk some high school football, uh, recruiting, and uh, whatever else may. Uh, present itself
1: <laughs> no kidding you never know what direction it'll go I know that you and your family like your third generation of, of coaching football not only like vertically the third generation but then like sideways like you guys <laughs> you've been around football a long time was there any shot that you were going to sell car insurance or do anything other than
0: coach football no I mean you know I, I mean I, I really I always joke when I talk with coaches like because most most people that enter the profession, you know, they found a the love for the game, either playing it or it was kind of their way uh, to take the next step in life. And for me, it was really like I didn't know there were other jobs out there to like <laughs> later in life. I just thought like everybody coached football. And so, I mean, from when I could walk, I mean, I was out on a practice field, you know, being a ball boy for my dad's teams and drawing up playbooks. And then one thing that we would do when uh, my uncle and my dad were together at Hoover and I was younger is – me and his son and a couple other coaches' sons that were ball boys, we would literally walk through some of our plays when the team would do walkthroughs. So that way when we got to the stadium, we could go find the other team's ball boys and we could play them and we'd have we'd have a whole play, play sheet ready, uh, wristband, signals, and we were ready to roll. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. That's so funny. I think if there's something interesting about being like a coach's kid, right, because you get um... – you know, from the start year around high school football, where for a lot of kids like their first exposure with high school football might be the, the their first year as a freshman on the actual well, team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very unique, uh, very blessed um, to be obviously in the family that I'm in, in, you know, I'm no, I don't shy away from the fact that, you know, obviously I've gotten a lot of opportunities because of the path that they have blazed and the success that they have had. And hopefully I can continue to build upon that legacy and a, A lot of that just begins with serving kids, whether it be on the field or recruiting, whatever it may be, um, outside of football, you know, so excited that I get to wake up and do that every day.
1: (laughs) No kidding. So you kind of go back to your high school days. Where'd you play? Uh, What was the experience for you? What sports did you play? Can you just give people kind of a brief overview of that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Hoover, Alabama, outside of Birmingham. Uh, Most people know of Birmingham, and I'm sure some people have heard of Hoover. Mm -hmm. Um, So I played there for three years, freshman, sophomore, junior. Had a great experience there playing for both my uncle as our head coach and then my dad as our offensive coordinator. Uh, It's kind of where I actually found my love for special teams uh, in a deep way because I'm also our special teams coordinator, something that I'm really passionate about. And the way that i found – My way on the field and to be able to even travel to away games as a sophomore because we had so many players was by becoming the backup long snapper. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where I found my love for special teams and helping guys find roles uh, outside of offense and defense. And then, you know, at the end of my junior year, I was getting to play some more, started a couple games Uh, When we were in some 12 personnel, because I played tight end and fullback as well, um, my dad received an opportunity to go coach at Foley High School near Gulf Shores, Alabama, and I went with him down there. So uh, senior year was at a completely new environment, completely different school, but the qualities and attributes I've been able to develop playing football, having to work with new people you know, work with people maybe you agree with and also don't disagree with to accomplish a common goal, I think helped me through that transition. And then the opportunity to play for my dad uh, and to have him have a, another opportunity to be a head coach was something that I wanted to be a part of. And so we went down there, uh, had a chance to compete and play, made the playoffs, and uh, it was a great experience. So great way to finish out my career.
1: I think that's a good lesson that you got to go through that you might be able to help other kids with is that. Uh, I I can't imagine, I, I went to the same high school all four years, loved it. And it was great, but I cannot imagine the, what it would have been like, even under the circumstances and how awesome it was for you to get to go with your dad, but to play three years. And then all of a sudden your senior year, like here, I'm going to a brand new high school for me. Right.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the whole first semester, my mom and my sister were still finishing up at Hoover and, uh, we, my dad and I were actually staying in the field house on air mattresses, uh, Splitting Little Caesars pizzas, yeah. Um, I mean, that was my big hack in college, and because I, I learned it then was those five dollar hot and ready's for one person. Like that's two meals for two fifty. So I I learned that really quick if you if you divide it up right. But yeah, it was awesome, and you know, it was actually something that came back and was able to to serve me helping somebody else this past or a year ago, I guess around this time when my cousin Sky transitioned from Hoover mm-hmm. to come play here at Gainesville. You know, obviously he had some things that he had to work through as a whole new environment, you know, trying to meet new people, make new friends, understand a new place. And so I never knew that my experience going from Hoover to Foley as a senior would be able to also allow me to help him through some different things and just be there as a sounding board for him. So it was great. Uh, I I wouldn't change anything about it because you know, one thing that that I try to do is connect with as many people as possible, just like yourself, which is why I'm on here. And even if we don't know each other, we can build a relationship, move forward and see see how we can serve each other in the future. And so being able to do that as a senior was really neat. And hey, I mean, we're in coaching. So every year you work with a new staff, you work with new players, Mm -hmm. people come, people go, whether it's yourself or somebody else. So if I didn't learn that early on, you know, it, it probably would have been a tougher adjustment later. But glad well, I, I got to learn how to do that early.
1: I think there's no better sign of the times than you mentioning the hot and reds used to be five bucks. I think now they're up to probably six or seven. I have no idea, but with inflation, I'm sure they're much more expensive now. Yeah. So, so you guys, right. uh, yeah. So you you finish up at Foley and then you know you you head off to college with plans to be a long snapper, um, but instead you end up coaching basically right away. Can you kind of talk us through that?
0: Yeah, Max. So most people that I talked to, uh, you know, I, I was like anybody else. Like I thought I was going to go play at Alabama and win the Heisman Trophy growing up. Like, I mean, I did. And then eventually <laughs> yeah. be a Hall of Famer, you know. But for some reason, I don't know what it was. It just didn't work out that way. Uh, I, I I don't know. I guess I guess I wasn't coached is what I'm kidding. But uh, anyways, so when I graduated um, high school, I, I did th- – I thought that I wanted an opportunity to go play college football because I felt like that's kind of what most people did, and I felt like maybe that would add some to my credibility for whatever reason. But, you know, then I started to look at other coaches like Mike Leach, like Lincoln Riley, some some other guys that have – They got an opportunity to coach at a high level, but didn't necessarily play college football. And if they did, it wasn't for very long. Mike McDaniels, another great example in the NFL right now with the Dolphins. And my passion was never really to play forever. I know that's kind of a different perspective than most people have. A lot of people are like, man, I just wanted to play as long as possible. And then finally, when I couldn't play, I got into coaching. I mean, I just grew up around being around my grandfather, my uncle, and my dad, like, Coaching was all I wanted to do. So I looked in the mirror one day after I went on a visit to Jacksonville State University. This was back in 2015 when they made their run to the national championship. And I got home and I looked in the mirror and I was like, for some reason, I don't know if it's my height, my weight, my my speed, my agility. I just don't quite look like those guys that I saw on the field on my visit, you know. And sometimes that's a good wake-up call for guys, you know, and that's one thing we can talk about. Mm-hmm. When, when we kind of dive into it, that's something that I talk with our guys about it now. Like, if you think you can go play at a place, you know, go make sure you go visit and see it and know. Um, and so when I got home, I was like, look, like I can go. I had a division two opportunity, uh, from my dad's alma mater Harding University in Arkansas, and then I had the opportunity to walk on at Jacksonville State. And man, I just wanted to jump right in and coach, that's what I wanted to do. Um, So I let Jacksonville State know that Coach J.R. Sandlin was instrumental in helping me get my foot in the door with our head coach, uh, John Gross, at the time. and So I I jumped into a student assistant role. Um, Luckily, my grades in high school gave me an opportunity to get some academic money, uh, and then football helped me as well. And uh, I I jumped right into coaching with whatever they asked me to do.
1: That's a pretty cool story, and I think something a lot of coaches can probably relate to because there's probably a lot of us out there who, I mean, I think we all do, right? Whatever sport it is, you imagine yourself playing at the professional level or, you know, at least Mm -hmm. playing for the national championship in college. And then eventually for most of us, reality hits us. And whether it's a reality that we like, sounds like kind of you figured out on your own, or if the reality is someone else telling us that this isn't going to work for you. um, Then that transition into coaching, I think it's really cool because we live in a time now where like you just reeled off a bunch of guys' names where, We we've started to realize as a society and especially players have started to realize that if you can help me get better, like it doesn't matter what you did as a player like I couldn't care less like I, I want to know that you're in a position to help me as a person to help me as a player and to help me reach the goals that I have. And I think we live in a really cool time now where, like you just said, we have all these guys we can look to. Like, look at what Mike Leach did. Look at what Mike McDaniel did. Uh, Belichick is another kind of decent example yep. of that, right? Like, we just we live in a place and time now where it's really cool for people who want to be coaches because you don't necessarily have to have been this All-American player at the collegiate yep. level to be able to do that.
0: Yep. No, that's exactly right. You know, and, of course, there's also a lot of players that were really good that turned – turned around and served as great coaches and continue to advance the game. So that's no knock against that at all. But just like you said, that's the one thing I've always heard the most just from veteran coaches that I've tried to learn from is if somebody knows that you can help make them better, you know, whether it be as a player, whether it be as a father, a husband, a student, whatever it is, if you can help make them better, then they'll listen and do what you ask them to do. And the moment that, You try to be something that you're not and you're inauthentic and maybe try to be like somebody else or they feel like, you know, you really can't help them. Then that's when you begin to have issues. But I have tried really hard, you know, still being young, still trying to learn every single day. But to make that my number one goal every time I walk in the building is how can I help other people become better?
1: I think that's kind of the ultimate goal of coaching. I think it plays really well into your kind of your path, which is interesting, right? Because you get to dive right in and coach kind of as a student assistant in college, which is great. Then, you know, you finish there, you end up coaching under your uncle Josh at, at Hoover for a little while. Uh, then you move on to college again. And then now uh, when, when I had Josh on, it was, gosh, it would have been the, the spring before his last season, uh, what turned out to be his last season at Hoover. And then shortly after that transitions to Gainesville and uh, then you end up also coming on the scene at Gainesville and just one of the coolest like from the outside watching it just basically through twitter right one of the coolest yeah. things cuz when when you look at Gainesville like just looking at you know 2 and 9 in 2018 5 and 6 in 2019 6 and 5 in 2020 5 and 5 in 2021 and then the the Niblet family kind of moves in and you know on paper you look at that from far away from you know 3000 miles away sure. And, then this year you guys go fourteen and zero and play for the state championship game, end up falling a little bit short. But fourteen and one in year one is not bad. And from the outside you're looking in, like how in the world did they do this?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's a testament to the the guys that put the uniform on and laid it on the line every single Friday. It's a testament to having the best administration from mm-hmm. our our superintendent, Dr. Jeremy Williams, principal Jamie Green, and athletic director, Adam Lindsay, uh, best administration in America. It's a testament to the Gainesville community that's been accustomed to a traditional power in Gainesville Red Elephant football supporting us, getting behind us, showing up in City Park every single Friday night. And then it's a testament to our head coach, who he's my uncle, but he's still also my boss and my head coach, Josh Niblett, assembling what I believe was the best high school football staff in America. Of course, yes, I'm extremely biased, everybody listening (laughs) to this. But, I mean, I truly do believe he added such a wealth of knowledge um, that gave our kids an opportunity to learn and to develop and to grow, not just as football players, but he always talks about the four faces as people, as students, as athletes in general, and then finally as players. And he put people in the building that could help develop our players in all of those areas. And our players didn't have to listen to us. Our seniors didn't have to listen to us. You know, they could have been just like you talked about. You know, there have been some some difficult situations from playing in 7A football. You know, we were able to drop down out of that this year from dressing in trailers for two years to now dressing in the best facilities in the country. Um, and I, I really feel like the, the perfect storm Kind of swept over uh, our city. And luckily for us, it worked out really well, you know. But just like you talked about, it's all about being one and oh, and we finished the year 0 and one. So trust me, just because we were 14 and one, we got plenty that we're excited about getting back to work on. And, and we actually started that process this week. So yeah, man, I mean, 2022 was unbelievable.
1: The facilities are incredible. And for those, listening I should toss some links in the show notes just to get people there because when I'm when I say they're amazing I'm not saying like they're amazing for high school football teams which they are but like this is like you guys are doing something there that's better than a lot of the colleges in our country which is just incredible when, you know when you guys took over all of a sudden they're putting in you know new new stadium re, kind of redoing it they put in uh, new facilities like indoor stuff everything but then one of the coolest things I ever saw is they put in correct me if I'm wrong, but some sort of like student athlete lounge food court thing where they're serving like yep. a real like third meal during the day for kids, yep. you know, before they go home or but it's just, it, it makes so much sense and it involves all the things we, you know, all of us talk about of what kids need and how to get them proper nutrition and health and everything. And it's like, well, Gainesville is actually like walking the walk right now. It's, it's incredible.
0: Yeah. So a, a lot of the building design, I mean, when when I came in December, um, to walk around and trying to figure out if this was what I wanted to do um, and be a part of. You know, I got to walk around with our athletic director who we just spoke on, Adam Lindsay, and he actually took the time over a year's process and, and had the help of some other administration as well, I'm sure, of really designing uh, a building that can serve the total athlete, um, the total student, and not just for football but for every single sport, for every sport to have a locker room, for every head coach to have an office. You know, for spaces for assistant coaches, a gym specifically designed only for volleyball, one of a kind in the, in the whole state because we have a our alumni gym serves basketball. Um, and then, like you said, having an athlete-only cafeteria to where not only just football players, but every single team that, that, that wears the red and white on our campus during the season has an opportunity to go home after practice and have already eaten dinner. You know, and and Max, something that that's big to me that I feel like uh, Gainesville has done such a great job of, just as a whole, just as a family, and and especially as coaches. I mean, we have so much of our players during, not only during the year, but especially for us from from the entire year. I mean, we've already started back mm-hmm. uh, training for next fall. You know, and so if we're going to ask our guys to put in all these hours, put in all this time, put in all this commitment. I think as coaches, uh, I'm sure the administrators would echo this as well. As teachers, as adults in the high school, then we better make sure that if we're asking them to serve us with their talents and we serve them with what we provide to help them develop the things that they they want to get to, whether that be ac- academically, spiritually, physically, uh, and also, of course, from a recruiting perspective and as people. Um, so that's that's the great thing about this community is, Yes, our players put in a ton I mean, they work unlike any other place I've seen. But there's a commitment here to serve them back as well. And that's what our administration, that's what our coaches, that's what our teachers, that's what our st- all of our staff and community do such a great job of. And that facility is just basically a, te- a physical testament to that spirit that's existed in Gainesville for so long. And now we're just continuing to find cutting-edge ways to, like you said, walk that walk. I
1: think that's one of the really cool things that you guys are doing, but then also one of the things that I think you highlighted that some coaches from the outside might not understand, or maybe we do probably all understand it, is that idea of, you know, I, you, you take over a new job or even the one you currently have, and you you have these dreams and these aspirations for what you want the program to be able to do for the athletes but without that support, that direct support, you've mentioned not only like your athletic director, that's just one cog. And then you've got your right. principal, right? And then the superintendent yep. and then yep. the community itself to embrace it because there's communities across America who probably don't think that highly of, of sports and high school sports. And so you have to have like this perfect storm of all these people in the community and then the players and the coaches kind of all with the same vision aligned. And one of the really cool things that Gainesville has done, like you had mentioned, is it's not just football because I think so many schools around the country kind of just do this kind of cool stuff for football and they they don't realize that it's you're trying to serve everybody and when you do that it lifts up like the whole school and the community yeah. and now you've got this really cool network of people who want to do good things for the school and they're going to go graduate and go do great things and then they're going to want to come back and it's like this self-perpetuating system that is being created right now in Gainesville that I think has to be just incredibly
0: exciting for you guys. Yeah, no, it's very exciting. You know, uh, I've always kind of heard this expression that athletics is kind of like the front porch to your high school. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just allows people that have never been to Gainesville, that have never experienced what we have to offer, to just get a taste of that when we go on the road to a new town, when – somebody just shows up in city park or drives by on the road right behind our stadium and sees what we have going on, sees the support. And then that makes people wonder, okay, well, what, what exactly do they have going on at the high school? What what exactly do they have going on in the school system? What all do they offer? You know, the fact that we have not just athletic facilities, but a new brand new band room. We have brand new ROT facilities. We have a, a, a it's basically a, rifling and archery range on the third floor of our building to to serve all sorts of different students you know and then academically how we help people with career and workforce development our hub um that that allows students a place where they can get help with different mental health issues or clothing or food if they need it you know but people that have never been to gainesville uh, there's no better way to introduce them to what we have than through athletics. And if there's not a premium placed on being excellent in that area, then like you said, it's hard to – it's harder – it's not impossible, but it's harder to introduce people to who we are and and what the Red Elephants are about. Um, And like you said, it's all a a tribute to the administration, to the school board as well um, for making that happen.
1: I think one of the other neat things that you guys are doing is the development of – you know, the next group of athletes, because I guess high school coaches, right? Sometimes we can get a little too, too closed in on just the kids who are in our high school right now. And one of the really cool things that I saw you guys tweet out recently was in uh, regards to like workouts and morning workouts. And there's this great line, which is basically like, if you're an eighth grader, come work out with us. You got to get yourself there. 6.55 a.m., But if you get there, we'll get you to your school. Like we'll provide transportation. We'll get you to your school in time for your middle school classes to start. And I thought it was so unique and I've never heard of a program doing that. But it also makes so much sense because on the one hand, you're getting buy in. They're going to show up there and they're going to be ready to work. You're helping them get better, which is ultimately going to help the program later, too. But then also like we're going to make sure you get to school on time and things are great. I think it's just such a cool testament to the kind of overall culture you guys are trying to build out there.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Well, it, it just, I mean, and even all the way into our youth leagues, you know, something that our, our head coach, Josh Nibble, who you've gotten to meet, um, is my uncle as well. And my dad did it when he was at Foley too. And it's something that I've taken and I'll use one day if I get that opportunity, is in the winter um, and kind of towards the end of winter and spring, We'll have a whole youth football clinic and we'll invite all our youth football coaches to come. We'll get mellow mushroom pizza. Uh, we'll have all sorts of different sodas laid out. And every single coach will kind of present on whether it be their position group, the coordinators will present on their side of the ball, our philosophies, our basic schemes that we implement, what we look for in player and in, uh, player development wise, how we kind of piece um, each kid into a specific role that helps whatever that position group or side of the ball is. And then we'll go into breakout sessions after coach Niblett talks in terms of kind of his expectations for our youth football teams and what he would like to see develop. We'll we'll break out in breakout sessions where every coach will have an opportunity to sit down with their individual position coach that works on the varsity level. So for instance, if you coach running backs in the youth league, you know, you're going to sit down with our running backs coach, He's going to go over the drills that he does every single day. He's going to go over, you know, what he looks for when he's game planning, what he looks for when he's trying to figure out, okay, who can actually play this position. And the same goes for O-line, quarterbacks, DBs, D-line, linebackers, um, special teams, uh, offense, defense, everything. And so it begins at that level, then it progresses to the middle school And one thing that we did this year and that my uncle's done since he's been at Hoover is the first week of spring practice for our middle school football program is ran by our varsity coaches. So all of us will go to the middle school, drive over ourselves. They'll already be out there, and we'll take them through an an entire practice uh, each day for a whole week where we'll treat it just like it's our practice. Coach will have his practice script ready to go, we'll have our installs ready to go, we'll script it just like we would for our guys. For me, special teams-wise, I'll do the exact same drills that we do with our varsity guys when we're first teaching. And that way, that standard is already set. So then after that, when we step away and we allow the middle school coaches to begin their process in in connecting with the players on the grass, they already kind of know what it looks like. The kids at the middle school already know what it looks like. Man, then it just progresses from there. So, again, that's why that year-round development is so crucial with every age group, and that's something that I feel like our staff does a really good job of and our head coach does a really, really good job of.
1: Yeah, it's it's that total, complete vertical alignment that I think every coach deep down knows is the best thing for the program. And if you're not doing it, at some point you just got to commit and make it happen. I think you guys are doing a really good job of it because then – as a freshman, when I walk in the door, you know, on day one in the you know, late, late summer, I've assuming I've been in the you know the community for a long time, I've already been exposed. Like I know what drills we're gonna run, I know what the terminology is, I know yep. how the offense I've got a good understanding of all that. And I think not just for the not just for like how they're gonna perform on the field, like that's good and everything. But I think just from a comfortability point, I think a lot of freshmen come in the door at a lot of programs and they don't know what to expect. And I think that creates nervousness or anxiety or maybe even a little bit of fear of like, what am I walking into? What are the coaches like? Are they, you know, what's what's the running back coach like? Is he a guy that's, that's going to like me? Am I going to like the way he, like I've already been exposed to all of this and I yeah. kind of know what to expect. And I think that alleviates a lot of concerns for kids where now all of a sudden, like I get to walk in and just focus on football and creating relationships and like all the fun parts of it. I mean, fun is relative, but you know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is a ninth grader walks in our building that's been in our school uh, his entire life and has never met our coaches. Doesn't know who we are. Doesn't know what we stand for. Doesn't know what we represent. So what better time to introduce them to that uh, being when they're young in youth league and in middle school. You know, the great thing about our new facilities that I love is, you know, we have the outdoor uh, turf practice field that also serves our soccer team as well. We have an eight-lane outdoor track. And what's great is our athletic director, Adam Lindsay, allows all our youth teams to use that Mm. surface in the evenings to practice in the fall. So we're a morning practice team in the fall. We never practice in the afternoons at all. And so in the afternoons or evening, whenever uh, their age group is scheduled to practice, I can be up there game planning. and we can be up there meeting. And as we're walking around the facility, we can look out the window and there's all our youth teams practicing. So we can walk down there, see those guys, give some high fives, and then go back up and continue with what we're doing. But just like you talked about, creating that family atmosphere isn't just about a word. You know, everybody uses it. But how are you tangibly creating – moments and shared experiences which is something my uncle always talks about to where you're building those connections and relationships early on and often throughout their career
1: i think you glossed over something that we got to go back to you just mentioned that during the fall and again we're talking to football here during the fall you guys do your high school practices before school in the mornings
0: yep that's correct wow what time do you guys start school so, we start at 8.15 this first period. So, the early, the earliest we'll practice will be on our Tuesdays. Um, we'll have the guys come in. We'll start flex at 6.30. Uh, and then, I mean, typically outside of that, we'll start at 6.55. I mean, we're huge on efficiency. We're huge on keeping our guys fresh for game day, That's something coach talks about all the time, you know, and – the stage of development that we're in now in January into March and April into spring ball, like that's the time where you're really trying to develop, you know, not only them as physically, but also as people and students and as a person. And then once you get to spring ball and summer and we've hit fall camp, I mean, they should know what we expect. They should know our standards. They should know how we practice. So if we can't do that at a fast pace and get in what we need to get in to be prepared each week by the time we hit the fall, then we didn't do a good job of implementing those things in the off season. And the great thing about it is the latest our kids will leave during the fall outside of Friday nights is 5.15, 5.30 with dinner on their way home. And so for the guys that need to work, they want to work, they want to help their families or, you know, they have a test tomorrow, they have a quiz tomorrow, they need to get homework done. They, that time doesn't change for them, whether it's in season or out of season. And your body is most hydrated in the mornings right when you wake up. So you talk about injury prevention. Concussions are obviously a big deal right now. How can we keep our players safe? Let's do it when they're fresh, right in the morning. They hadn't started their day. Nobody's broken up with them yet, hopefully. Uh, (laughs) And then, you know, they hadn't been in in the class yet. And the great thing is if they're at practice in the mornings, we know they're going to be at school. You know, if we have practice in the afternoons, and obviously some people can't do that because of logistics, school start time, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's a big county school, whatever it may be, it's just not possible at some places. And it hasn't always been possible for us. Um, but if you can and you can create that, not only does it keep your players fresh, but it keeps your coaches fresh as well. I mean, I was the freshest I've ever been as a football coach this past year. I mean, my quality of life as a football coach was the best it's ever been this past year. And a lot of that was attributed to practicing in the morning. I mean, it's crazy. Like something is – you may think on the surface as small as that makes such a big difference, but it really, really does. And our players have just become morning people and they love it. And so football is the first thing they do when they wake up. And then after that, I mean, they go to school. We know they're there. They come in the afternoons. We do meetings. We feed them. And then they leave and, and go about their day.
1: Yeah, I just think of coaches, you know, like you said, get to stay fresh in the sense that, like, I can go home and hang out with my kid and hang out with my wife, you know, and I'm not going home at like nine o'clock at night. Uh, I think in the mornings, I I think having practice in the morning is really cool. All the reasons you mentioned, but then also it forces a coaching staff, you kind of hit on it, I guess, to be efficient. Because yeah. I, I've got a certain time, like, if I if I get to 8, 10 a.m., like, I've messed up. The kids aren't going to be able to go to school today, right? So, like, it yeah. forces you to be super efficient. And then also, I would assume then after school, you're able to meet as a coaching staff and put together the plans for tomorrow. Whereas yeah. a normal – in a program like you might normally think, like, practice gets done at, let's say, 7 o'clock, just making it up. You're not going to probably meet after that. You're going to go home. So then in the morning, you're trying to, like, figure out practice through emails and texts and, like – Oh yeah. This makes so much like, this is so obvious. It seems like assuming teams can make it happen. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing is you got to have an administration and the school has to be set up in a way where you can do it. Cause there's some places that just can't, I mean, they sure. can't, whether their school starts at seven 30 or, you know, they got kids riding in on a bus from 45, 30 minutes out. Like it just can't happen at some places, but if it can happen, you know, I, I think there's a huge benefit in it. Um, Because when they come back in the afternoons, we'll watch – I'll start it with our WeFence meeting, which is our special teams. We'll watch the tape of that. You know, my uncle will address them his thoughts from the practice from that day uh, that occurs on the same day. So it's not like they're going home, they're going Mm -hmm. to sleep, and then Mm -hmm. this is, hey, we're talking about yesterday. Um, But then, you know, they watch the the film with their position coaches from the practice that same day, and then – whatever game plan installs we have to do for the next day, we talk about that and watch that that tape as well. And then they get fed dinner and then they leave and then we'll go sit down and game plan. But, I mean, just like you said, uh, our head coach does a great job of, like, we don't just talk about let's create great people and then let's do football 24-7 and never see our families. Yeah, yeah right? That's something that he's – if we work our tails off, I mean, I would put our work ethic next to anybody. i put his work ethic next to anybody. We are going to be prepared, and our goal is to be the most prepared um, football team in the country. So we will be. But if you can do that in an efficient manner where, like, for us, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we're really Sunday, Monday are our longest days where we're kind of burning the, the candle at both ends. Tuesday is a long day as well just because it's our longest practice and we got to clean up some – some final game plan things. But then Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday, uh, he has his Bible study that he does at 6.30 p.m. We come in in the mornings. We call it No Sweat Wednesday. So guys just wear a jersey, no pads, no helmet, no nothing. Um, and we walk through everything. Uh, after school, players go home. We go home. This is on Wednesday. Then on Thursday, we do fast Thursday where we're wearing shells again. We're wearing helmets, kind of getting our guys back up to game speed right before Friday. But then again, Thursday afternoon, I mean, we're all going home. So you won't find our staff or our players in the building on Wednesdays or Thursdays during the season past 3.30 p.m. So it's it's been unbelievable, but we've still gotten the same amount of preparation in. It's just can you do it where you're at? You know, do you believe in it? And – um do you see the benefit behind it? And our our head coach, our administration, and our staff does.
1: I think it makes so much sense. I think earlier you had mentioned one of the cool things uh, for you as a player was how special teams provided you with this, you know, long-snapping opportunity where all of a sudden you, you find yourself kind of with a home in terms of getting to travel as a sophomore, obviously. Um getting to play and everything and then play for your dad when you transition out to Foley. And, um, now of course you're the special teams coordinator at Gainesville. Um, got some accolades for it. You know, I saw some stuff on Twitter of you being named, you know, one of the, o- the overrated. Highly overrated, yeah. oh, highly oh, I'm, overrated. Just, I'm sure it's overrated, but that's okay. It always <laughs> is it's no big deal. Uh, and so when I think of special teams, you know, I, I'm not a football coach, but from the outside, I've, I've talked to a few, obviously I've been around football. Um, and I've, I've heard, you know, lots of different coaches attack it from lots of different angles. And, you know, the, the traditional, not even traditional, but just like from the outside, looking in like special teams, uh, you know, not yeah. <laughs> it's not the glory necessarily that a lot of players may think. And so um, as a coach, you can create that you can create that buy in and create uh, this environment where kids want to be a part of it. And it becomes a really cool and then obviously incredibly value part of valuable part That's of the cool. team. And so as a special teams coordinator, when you're first kind of walking in the door, so let's say last, uh, what would be last December, last January, you're walking in the door um, and you're kind of trying to game plan. How do I get kids? How do I get players to want to be part of my group? Like what's how do you attack that? How do you get around that? Like what's your strategy when you're trying to build out a special teams group?
0: Yeah. I mean, first of all, I got to get to know everybody. I mean, I got to know people's names. I got to know kind of their background, what they what they do, what they've done, you know, studying last year's tape and then just connect with them on a daily basis. And, you know, we do so many things in our off-season workout program that it gives you such a great ability as a coach to evaluate everybody, what they do well, what they don't do well. You know, can, can they bend? You know, how do they have flexibility in their ankles? How well can they get in and out of their breaks? You know, um, how powerful, how strong are they? Can they redirect? Um, Do they have really good straight line speed? So I'm able to see all that stuff from, and I'm doing it now, like with our new players and upcoming young guys, um, you know, we're always in continual evaluation mode. And so being able to, create, uh, what I do is I have a a whole body type roster. So we have six different body types in the program uh, for our special teams unit in every single position on each unit, whether it be punt, punt return, kickoff, kickoff return, uh, field goal, field goal block, they all require a specific body type at each position. So I have to figure out pretty quickly, okay, who fits into those body types? What do they do well? And then we, when we start in March, we'll start doing some on-the-field stuff, and uh, we'll start doing some special teams drills where I can kind of teach our basic fundamentals because I'm all about reducing the game to technique and effort. Um, I learned a lot as a graduate assistant from Tyler Hancock, uh, who's now who just got named the special teams coordinator at Lamar University. Um, you know, he was a Pete Limbo guy, DJ Durkin guy. Um, uh, and so he's been around some good ones that have coached special teams, and I always want to reduce the game down to technique and effort, so I got to evaluate, you know, who can perform the technique at a high level and who's always going to give great effort, and you can get to know a lot about a guy from adversity that he faces in offseason drills, uh, different conditioning things that we have, you know, different lifts that we have, so just building those connection points and, and letting them know, like, hey, man, again, I'm here to make you better. You know, if I can turn you into the next Slater for the New England Patriots, you know, only have one catch your whole career and have an over-10-year career, you know, like, I think that would be pretty awesome. I mean, I think you'd take that. Um, And it's also going to help your opportunities at the next level because they want to know if they recruit you, can you contribute on special teams? And So if I can help give you a chance to be developed – in that phase and in that unit to be able to do some different things and showcase your abilities on that unit, you know, people buy into that. And uh, it's all about putting them first. You know, it's a player first mentality. You spoke about the different things that people recognize me for or whatever. I mean, that's attributed to them. I mean, they're the ones laying it out there on the line. Um, And that's attributed to our staff that believes in it, that coaches it with me, and our head coach that gives me time. Because not everybody, not every head coach will give you time to meet every single day with your guys for 30, 15 to 30 minutes. Not every single head coach will give you periods, multiple periods in practice to work on it, you know, and that's why I felt like there are opportunities for us to win games in that phase. And, you know, there's plenty that we got to get cleaned up as well that uh, that costs us during the year, you know, so it's always about continual improvement. And that begins with connecting with the players on a personal Uh, Basis, You know, getting to know them, their names, their stories and finding out what they do best, helping them get better at that and putting them in positions to showcase that.
1: What do you do to create some sort of, uh, I don't know, uh I'm not sure even what to how to ask Is like mottos or um, I don't know, anything you anything unique that you do where like when a kid's part of the special teams, like he feels like this is a really cool thing to be a part of. Um, where it's like this is my thing, this is something unique that I get to do, and I I'm proud of it.
0: Yeah. So man, we have so many different competitions within our unit. And we call our special teams mm-hmm. We Fence because it's offense and defense together. And our one of our big program philosophies is we over meet. So it's it's always about the team, and so that's why we branded it that. Um, but we'll have different competitions during the during the year, during the off season, whether it be you know having a three on three, uh, having three guys covering three guys uh, in the return scheme and a returner like posting scores of that. Having uh, we we call it race to the forty. So after every game, I'd turn on the tape and see who got to the forty, the, the opposite forty, the fastest, and whoever. Whoever did, I got to give them Gatorade on Sunday because they need to get hydrated because they they had to run so far and so fast. Um, You know, if a team creates an explosive play that results in a touchdown, we call it hot now. So we'll go get Krispy Kreme, we'll go get donuts, and they'll have that that in the meeting when they walk in the door. Um, And so we just try to get creative with ways that we can reward guys. I'm coming up with new ways to do that this year because I want to do more of that because, you know, I think if you can – reward guys for doing things really, really well. It just sticks with them more than if you continually get on to them for the things that they don't do well. Not to say that you're trying to minimize it or say that it doesn't exist, but I mean, I think we've seen throughout history. I mean, every psychologist says it, every doctor says it, and they're a lot smarter than I am. (laughs) But positive feedback always overrides negative feedback. So how can we positively reinforce the things that that we want them and that we coach them to do, that they do well? And then at the same time, how can we clean up the things that we don't want them to do or that they don't do well and continue to develop them? So it's just all-encompassing, and it's why I love it so much. You know, I get to coach the whole roster, every position group. i got to be able to coach every single technique that's used in football, whether it's pressing on on – Uh, For a return on punt, whether it's how do you release if you're a gunner on punt, you know, how do you cover, how do you two gap, how do you drop, how do you sink your hips, Um, specialist coaching, which I'm continuing to, to learn and continuing to get better at, but it's been fun. I love it. I mean, I've truly developed a passion for it.
1: I think of uh, off the top of my head of like some of the really unique things within special teams. I think a lot of us probably gravitate towards the excitement of a kick return or punt return for a touchdown, but then also – the the punt itself and how how we take for granted i think as fans especially uh of a good solid punt like we don't really like yeah we punted it good job but like we certainly notice same with a kick when a punt or a kick goes poorly and so i'm just thinking of like throughout the course of a season that's going to happen once or twice to anybody Mm -hmm. you know and how do you as a coach then, you know, say a punter, or kicker has a mistake or any, I mean, I guess anybody. But those are kind of really highlighted ones that everybody notices when that guy's coming back to the sidelines. Are you immediately jumping in with him? Like, what's your process when a kicker or punter maybe has a has just really <laughs> doesn't get the job done on a certain kick?
0: Yeah. So to your first point, uh, what you're talking about, we always talk about momentum moments in our program, especially teams mm-hmm. is the biggest area where you can create momentum-changing plays. And, you know, if there's a 40-yard play on offense or a 40-yard return on defense, whatever it may be, I mean, everybody's going nuts. (laughs) But people don't realize that the most explosive plays happen when you're transferring the football to the other team. I mean, think about a punt. Like you're going from an offensive player that's protecting, that's executing your assignment to – now you're transitioning into a defensive player, you know, and the ball is going on the other side of the field. Like there's nothing more explosive than that, in my opinion. Um, and then to your second question, wait, what can you, can you repeat the second question again for me?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you're saying the good thing of a, a good, solid punt, but what happens when that kid oh, goes yeah, to yeah, yeah. So, and we yeah. just shank it? Like what what's yeah. your process then as a coach with that kid?
0: So, like, I'm big with our specialists, and they know this. Um, I really don't talk – and people may think I'm crazy, but I really don't talk about distance a whole lot. I really don't. Like, you can ask our punter, John White, who's returning with us. The things that I talk to him about are operation and launch point. Operation and launch point. And then we always talk about his steps and his drop because I I think it's just – you know, you always hear this, it's become cliche, but it's true. Like, there's certain things within the process of your program, whether it be, you know, your weightlifting program, your offensive schemes, your defensive schemes, your special team schemes. Like, there's certain things to where you can't worry about the result. You got to worry about the process. And my process for him on game day, after we talked about steps and drops during the week leading up to it, is continuing to harp on Operation Launch Point, you know. The things I always tell him: one, two ball, one, two ball. I'm always trying to speed up his steps because I'm just big on operation and launch point. And when those things don't happen, I tend to get more animated because you feel like you work on it a lot, you're trying to coach a lot, and he just has. And, and all of us, me included, have to understand the urgency of those two things because operation launch point. If those get screwed up, that can get you beat quicker than anything. Um, and so it's the same thing with our kicker. Like, if his process is correct, if he's done what I've asked him to do, you know, there's going to be mishits. Like, I mean, these are 14, 18-year-old kids. There's times where I call things wrong all the time. You know, people just don't know, but I do, you know. And so you got to understand that people are going to make mistakes. But if it becomes a habit and it's continual and they're not making the adjustments that I'm asking them to make, then that's when I get frustrated. If it's a one-off deal, I always tell them, like, just fix it. Just fix it. You're good. Just fix it. And so that gives him the confidence to know, okay, like, coach, coach it and doubt me. He didn't doubt my ability, but we do have to correct the mistake. So that's all I tell him, like, hey, man, just fix it. Let's figure out what you're doing wrong. Let's look on tape because luckily we have sideline tape at the high school level. Um, and let's just fix it and then move on.
1: One of the things you'd mentioned earlier when we were talking about the facilities and the, especially the food for, for the kids, the cafeteria, you were talking about, you know, providing opportunities for kids and like doing the right thing for kids. And I knew when you guys kind of took over the program, uh, this would have been uh like yeah december 2021 january 2022 so about a year ago at the time recording this um you guys take over and from the outside uh, you know i get to see twitter posts like that's what i see so you know, i saw that Josh Niblett takes over at Gainesville. so immediately yeah i'm going to follow the Gainesville football page right and just see what they see what they do see what the transition is like cuz he was so successful at hoover for so long it's like okay i want to see what they do when they take over uh, a new program like what's that like and it was amazing because I did not see what I thought I would see. I mean, I saw like the new facilities and that sort of thing. But the thing I didn't expect that I immediately knew that you guys were in it for the right reasons, that you're in it for kids, is because one of the first things that started getting posted daily, weekly, all the time, was trying to get college offers for the seniors. And these are kids in the class of 2022 that were never going to play a down of football under yeah. Coach Niblet or your... Pro- and, from the outside looking at that, like it's, it was really amazing because here's a group of people that have no tangible like agenda other than like you guys are actually trying to help kids find college homes who literally yeah. didn't do anything for you, like in that, you know, and aren't going to do anything for you on the field. Yeah. And just from the outside, like that was so genuinely cool to see.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know that was a group of seniors that had been through a lot of adversity. Um, there were a lot of things outside of their control and the previous staff's control that um, that created some some difficulties. Um, you know, and so one thing that I wanted to make sure that people knew, and and my uncle wanted people to know, is, you know, the guys that put in sweat equity to this program, we're going to do everything we can in our power to help them continue to achieve their dreams whether it be football, whether it be finding a specific job, whatever it may be. Um, and I think that was huge for me initially is I just felt like one of the biggest ways that we could gain ground quickly and closing the gap from us and other people and whatever outside perception games we may have is with those guys that were that were there that just finished playing. Like how can we serve those guys? You know, because I felt like there were some talented players on that roster you know, and that for whatever reason, ha- didn't have a lot going on yet. And so I, I just tried to help any way that I could um, in terms of connecting them with coaches, uh, following up with those coaches. And those are the same things that we do now. Uh, I'm I'm just of the belief, and people may disagree with me, but I've spent time at Division three football. I've spent time at the FCS level, and I've spent time pre- uh, most recently at the FBS level. And seeing – all the college football has to offer and all the teams that are across our country. Like in case anybody didn't notice, you know, most people on this podcast do because you're listening to it. People and Americans love football like they do. Mm -hmm. And so we create programs all over the country and there's so many different places in at, at different levels that I just, I don't see how a kid can't find a home somewhere. And I'm not talking about full-ride scholarship to go play at Alabama, but I'm talking about a kid that, hey, he's got a 3-0 GPA coach, and he 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 got his essay done to get this outside scholarship, so if you can cover his books and, and housing, you know, he's going to go for free. Like, that's the stuff I'm talking about. You know, like I'm big on just finding somebody a home, finding somebody an opportunity. Now, if we open the door and they decide, coach, like, thank you, but – I just want to go go on and be a normal student and move on. That's fine. But I just want to open the door to as many people as possible and, and try to be a door holder in the role that I'm in for these kids because there's so many places. There's so many places that they haven't seen, haven't experienced. And there's so many places looking for really good high school football players that are developed in a program that will allow them to have success once they get on campus. Like I don't want to just get them an offer. That's something that I feel like we do in our program that's different. The kids that get recruited from our programs go to these colleges, and these colleges are going to know, hey, when they get here, they're going to have success because they understand what it's like to work year round for 12 to 15 opportunities in the fall. They understand what it's like to have to take care of their body, to have to balance their grades in class, to have to go to meetings, to bring a notebook and pen to every single meeting. And so if we can connect those relationships you know, from them to different colleges as, as many times and as, as often as possible, that's our goal. And it's not always easy. Like I just sent out a, a text to our, our staff group, Texas, this, uh, this morning, like, hey, coaches, this is a list of guys that don't currently have an offer yet, you know, just in case you have a contact with somebody that you feel like they may fit into uh, their program, you know. So it's not always easy. It doesn't always just happen. It takes work. But we are very, very persistent, and everybody on our staff is very, very persistent. Our head coach is very, very persistent. So we're going to knock down and knock on every door that we can to try to get them to open up. And then if they decide to pursue it, great. If not, great. But, you know, they put in a lot of time for our community and for our school and for us as a staff. And so shame on us if we don't help them try to achieve their goals once they're done.
1: I think it's a really cool position to have. Like, obviously, the as a special teams coordinator, your hands are full. But then also, in addition to that, you're the recruiting coordinator for the team. And it's not like you going out and recruiting other high school kids to come right, play for right, Gainesville. It's right. you going out and working for your kids, right, to try to help yeah. them find homes. And so you had mentioned uh, quite a while ago in our, in our conversation about um, finding the right fit. Right. And it's, you know, I, in baseball, like we have a lot of kids who will say, I'm going to go play D3 at such and such school. And it's like, well, have you gone and watched that? Have you gone and watched them play? Have you gone and watched them practice? Do you know that that's a first off a level that you can compete at because you might be surprised at some of the talent. And then also is the coaching staff, a coaching staff you'd want to play under. Like there's a whole lot of things that go into it obviously and um, finding the right fit. And so the, that kind of naturally leads me to this next part of, of, how do you go about having those conversations with kids? Because it's important that we're honest with them, you know, about about their talent level and where they are, but then also we want to help them reach their goals. And so when you, if you're sitting down to meet with me and I'm a kid in your program and uh, I want to go play college football, like how does that conversation go? What, what, what pathway are you taking? What are you talking to them about? What questions are you asking? Like, how are you trying to help that kid?
0: I start with myself and my experience and, Exactly how we started this podcast. I had the dream of going to play in Alabama, going to play in the NFL, and it didn't happen. <laughs> and why didn't it happen? Because I wasn't as good as I thought I was. And sometimes that's not a bad thing.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think I think the biggest thing you have to do is be real with yourself. Like, how hard do you actually work on a day-to-day basis to perfect your craft? Really, like if you look at it. And something that we did with our, our kids that our, our head coach and our director of football operations, Ty Maxwell, was able to get set up, um, our seniors actually got to go watch the Falcons practice during training mm. camp. And so they've seen what it looks like to practice like a pro. That's something I say going through our flex lines, which is our stretching period all the time, is like, hey, practice like a pro today. Practice like a pro. You know, How do you carry yourself like a pro in the classroom? in meetings are you sitting up in your chair are you taking notes because if you don't then like yeah i mean it it looks cool to go play college football to post out like hey, i got an offer from so and so you know and to put on the hat on signing day but like like we talked about i don't want kids to just sign on signing day like i want kids to go and be successful because what that creates is those colleges come back and they're like man if we if we recruit a kid from gainesville like Everybody else may know about it. he may not have as many offers as some of the, some other guys but like he's gonna be ready to play and he can contribute and maybe it's not as an every down player as a freshman but by the time he leaves he's going to be a high level football player because he's built the habits throughout his high school career to give him success. And so those are the conversations that I have with them that I have with parents is like you got to be realistic with yourself and I, and I start with my own my own story my own experience because that's what I can relate to. You know, so trust me, I I understand if you don't get an offer from your dream school or the biggest school you thought you could go to. We're going to try to help you get that. But if they tell me, no, they tell me, no, I don't offer anybody. You know, all (laughs) I can do is get their eyes on on you as many times as possible. And that's my goal. You know, persistence. Get as many people's eyes on our kids as possible, whether it be through Twitter, whether it be through, you know, email, whether it be through phone calls, whether it be through visits whether it be from coaches coming and watching spring practice, you know, during the evaluation periods, um, coaches coming and standing on our sidelines on game days, which which has increased recently. You know, it's all of those things. How many eyes can we get on our kids? And then when their eyes are on you, what do you show? What habits do you show? How do you stretch? You know, how do you finish drills? What's your GPA? I mean, that's big, like – That's one thing that we we had a meeting with parents, and that's the biggest thing I tried to tell our freshman parents. Like, We have some guys right now that are in tough spots because they didn't start off as strong academically as maybe they should have or or wanted to for whatever reason. But there's so many schools that, like, hey, coach, if he has a 3.0 GPA, like, we got this in this scholarship. Or, hey, coach, maybe it's a smaller school. If he doesn't have a 3.0 GPA, we can't even get him in school. But if he does and we can get him in school – we had this presidential or this teacher scholarship or this endowment or whatever, you know? So it's, again, it always goes back to the four faces, Max. how, who are you as a person? Who are you as a student? Who are you as an athlete? And then what do you do as a player? And that's that. And that's always being evaluated all the time, all the time. So it's just trying to be real with them as often as possible. And when they do something well, letting them know, like, hey, hey that, that was at an elite level. Do that all the time, and you'll have a chance to go play wherever you want to go play or, or, or have an opportunity. And it, when they don't do what you believe is a standard, then you need to tell them, like, hey, man, I thought you wanted to go play college football. Mm. Like, I, I thought you wanted to go win a state championship. Well, something that I tell them all the time in special teams meetings, and I think it carries in recruiting, is your actions speak so loud I can't hear what you're saying. And I tell them that every single day, you know, because it, it translates. And they don't hear that a lot now because, I mean, and, and I, I say they like I'm some old man, like I'm only 25. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm Gen Z. yeah. <laughs> so I'm Gen Z too. I'm right there with them. So, I mean, it allows me to kind of know what their world's like. But, man, there's just so much talk. Like, that's all we do. Like, that's what gets – that's what goes viral on social media. That's what gets the most likes. That's what – gets the most followers and that's the world they know that's that's what they know to be validated by but what we got to try to teach them in our program and what i feel like we do we do teach them in our program and that has led to such a quick turnaround is that it's about actions like we do want to talk we want to talk about what we expect and and what our goals are but what are the actions that are behind it and that's that's on the football field and that's in the recruiting process
1: i think that's it's awesome and i think when I when I think of it, I think of through the lens of baseball and like some of the things that come into my mind are like gaining the trust of college coaches. And I think of like times I've heard other college coaches talk about how like a high school coach will tell them, he'll call him up and be like, Hey, I've got a kid who throws ninety-four. You yep. know, the college coach will come out to game and watch the kid throws 87. And it's yep. like, and so you just have broken the trust of that college. Now any kid that I have from here on out, if I call this college and they he's going to be like, no, that, that coach is a liar. Like, I'm not going to waste my time with it either. So there's that flip side, too, of being honest with college coaches. And I think yeah. one of the cool things that that winning, one of the byproducts of winning, like you guys have done through this first year is what you mentioned, is then all of a sudden you have more coaches coming to games and wanting to come to practices and during evaluation periods. And so now all of a sudden, as a player, I have all these eyes on me that they, they, you know, they might not have come here to see me Like They might have come here with a specific guy in mind, but now all of a sudden I've got a chance to have this college coach's eyes on me. And whether he's going to look at me and go, oh, that's a good fit for my program, or if he's going to look at me and go, oh, I got a buddy who coaches at this other smaller place. That guy's a good fit for him. I'm going to text him and let him know about this kid. And so it creates this really cool self-perpetuating system where now there's a whole lot less of you as a coach having to try to convince coaches about your players and a lot more of, hey, there's eyes on you act accordingly. Like you said, like let your actions speak for themselves because there's guys watching them. They might really like what they see.
0: That's right. So to your first point, that's another big thing that I try to do because obviously I've had the opportunity to work at the college level. So I know what that is like when somebody tries to sell me something and I open the box and what's in the (laughs) box is not what they tried to sell me. Um, right. so our heights and weights are always going to be accurate. And like some yeah. kids get mad about that. Some parents may get mad about that, but I tell them that up front, like I'm not going to lie for you. Like I'm not one, because I don't believe morally that's right. But also because then that hurts my credibility when I try to help somebody yeah. else in the future. So I give the positives and the negatives to each player. And I feel like college coaches respect that. Um, but again, the big thing it's not fastballs and football, but height and weight is a big deal that I try to, try to keep accurate. Um, And then to your second point, you know, again, it just always comes back down to the kids and and their experience. And one, we had a situation this past year where uh, I won't name the school, but there was a college football playoff school that was at one of our games. And they were here to see a specific player from another team. And I just remember my uncle telling one of our kids, like, I don't know who he came here to see, but I know who he better leave uh, thinking about when he goes back. And so that's what we always try to tell our guys. Like every Friday is an opportunity, you know, every practice. I mean, like we had, we had Jeremiah Tealander with us this past year, who is our already mid-year enrolled uh, with Tennessee, you know, so every day in practice, how hey, you want to go play college football, you think you're an SEC guy, why don't you line up against that guy every day, you know, and then you'll find out. And some guys step up to that. Some guys don't, you know, and so, Again, it, the film doesn't lie, the classroom doesn't lie, you know, and then your habits and meetings don't lie. What you do as a person doesn't lie because your actions speak so loud that we can't hear what you're saying. The staff, your teachers, you know, and then ultimately college coaches, and so that's why we we try to harp on that so much. And luckily for us, we have a lot of kids that that do the actions. They don't just talk; they do the actions, and that's what. of the reason that makes it so fun and a big part of the reason that makes it so fun to coach here
1: when you think about your long-term plans you know you're, you're you mentioned a second ago you're definitely young and you've got a lot of coaching years left in you and you know you've coached at the high school level you've coached at the collegiate level at various levels um do you have aspirations of becoming a head high school football coach are you interested in someday coaching at the college level again like when you reflect on your own career and, and the direction you want to go and like, what's your long-term vision? Like,
0: man, like, you know, I grew up wanting to be a college coach and uh, that's changed a little bit recently just because of the college football world. So different, not saying that, you know, I, I never say never, I've learned that really quick, never say never, but I've, I mean, who I've grown up around, what I've been impacted the most through is high school football. And my goal is to be a head high school football coach. And I think this past year just being at Gainesville has stirred that fire even more because I've watched somebody like my uncle change an entire community. And it's really kind of given me almost a passion of one day when that opportunity comes, it would be so neat to go somewhere. Just kind of like how it was at Gainesville where there's been some adversity. You know, they miss the playoffs. People think they can't do this, can't do that. And just, and just change that for an entire community um, and just impact those kids in a way that that they'll never forget. And so for me, I mean, I want to be a, a high school head football coach eventually. And, you know, I'm willing to be patient to do that just because I'm at such a great place. I'm with, I'm with such a great administrative team. I'm with such a great coaching staff. I'm working with family. So obviously it would have to be the right situation. But, yeah, I mean, I'd love to be – Uh, a head high school football coach my dad and my uncle both got opportunities um before they were 30 to do that and i'm sure got to learn a lot of quick lessons early on and so you know you never know what god has in store but that's definitely something that i have a goal of of doing
1: yeah i think a lot of people when they look at your uncle they think man just incredible here and then at, at hoover but they you know there's a couple stops before hoover even like it's you know, high school coaching is a a long journey and it can take you a lot of different directions. And like you said, I think when you find a good administration, it's it's a great place to be. And for coaches who are thinking about becoming a head coach someday, I think that's usually, that's probably the first question is like, what's the administration like? Because if you there's a lot of head coaching openings every year right you know that but how many of them are open because that administration when you ask that question you and you start kind of diving into it you realize that it's probably not a good fit unless you want to deal with fighting a bad administration for a handful of years before you either get tired of it and quit or they fire you right
0: yeah no doubt yeah. yeah no doubt I mean then that's where that's where it starts with and you know. I've, I've gotten to get some advice from – I have a lot of friends in the profession that, that are friends first and happen to coach second. And also I, I got a lot of examples that in my own family and mentors in my own family that have been through different situations. So luckily I have a wealth of experience and knowledge that I can draw from through those guys. And one of the biggest things you always hear is, you know, be patient, don't mess it up if you're happy because there's so many coaches that coach and they're miserable because of who they work with every day or who, where the, or or the kind of kids that they coach maybe they're not bought in whatever it may be so yeah I mean'm I'm, I'm definitely willing to be patient um but hopefully I get that opportunity soon and uh you know if not I'm in a, a really good place that I'm excited to be at and uh we're, we're just getting started here I know that
1: Yeah, absolutely. You'd mentioned at the start of the podcast somewhere in there about how you've know, been around so many good coaches for so long that who knows if you've even earned the, the opportunity or if it just happened because of your last name, but I think anybody who sat through the last hour or so kind of understands that uh, you absolutely <laughs> have earned it. Um, you sound like a wonderful coach and somebody who's in it for the right reasons and understands trying to give the players, like you said, as much as, as they can give you and even more so at that. Um, I don't know if there's anything we missed, anything you thought we'd cover, anything we didn't, shout-outs, whatever it might be, but just thought I'd hand the mic over to you one more time really
0: yeah I mean uh I obviously I can't do any of this without my fiance uh Olivia we get married in May excited about that um you know I'm in the position I'm in because of an unbelievable family uh thankful for my grandfather John coach John Niblett thankful for, for my dad coach Tad Niblett my uncle coach Josh Niblett and you know for all of the people that have allowed me to get into this coaching profession and continue to push me and challenge me to become better and Man, thankful for the Gainesville Red Elephant community. You know, the same people I talked about earlier uh, that are that work at our school. It's a great place to be, and uh, the best is yet to come.
1: I appreciate you coming on and saying yes to this. I had a blast, and, uh, you know, I wish you guys the best as you head into the, the spring section of these things. And uh, good luck into year two, and uh, we'll be following you for sure.
0: Yes, sir. I appreciate you, and uh, go Big Red.
1: Loved having a chance to sit down and listen to Riley as he reflected on how year one at Gainesville went. And guys, I'm not joking you. You have to go check out the facilities. Google them, find them on Twitter. I'm confident that many of the Red Elephants players who graduate and go on to play college football, their college facilities will be a step down from what they experienced in high school at Gainesville. It's absolutely insane. But the facilities, as we all know, are only a piece of the puzzle. You need a strong backing from your administration, which they obviously have, and then it's the coaching. Nice facilities, good administrators, they can only take you so far. And as you heard, Riley, he's top-notch. I'm excited to see how he continues his growth in high school football. If you aren't signed up for the weekly newsletter yet, or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, maybe even a hat, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and hit that subscribe button wherever you're tuning in from. Most importantly, though, if you found any value at all from this episode or any previous episode, please share this on social media via email or through the old-fashioned word of mouth it doesn't matter how you do it just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit that's how we all get better and that's how we grow the club huge fist bump to coach niblet for jumping on the call with me thanks again to netting pros for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking that play button if you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show be sure to reach out to me even if that recommendation is you Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email, max at high All right, that's it. That's all I got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.